0: Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. At Keystone, we believe exceptional organizations don't just happen. They are built by focused leaders that recognize their authentic leadership superpowers. Join us for a serious dose of inspiration. With the launch of my second book, The Culture Climb, we are making available to you three free amazing tools that will help you get started in creating a better culture for your team. Go to www.thecultureclimb.com and download your free copies today. Welcome everybody to the Superpower Success Podcast. I'm glad to have you here today. I'm Jamie Tates, And I want to introduce you to today's guest. Today's guest is Matt Schwant. He is the co-founder and president of Bauhaus Brew Labs. He is also an impact advisor for my organization, Keystone. And Matt has been such a leader for us in just really promoting leadership and culture and everything he's learned as a business owner, that he's now taking all of that experience and he's helping our clients with their own growth and their own leadership and getting their cultures right. So I'm excited for you to hear from him, to hear his story, to hear his leadership wisdom. It's gonna be a great conversation. Welcome, Matt.
1: Thanks, Jamie, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: I'm so excited to have this first off because I feel like I know you, but when I get to interview people like this, I learn so many other things about them that I'm, and I'm just such a curious person that I'm excited to get to know you just a little bit better through this interview today.
1: Yeah, I'm excited too. Let's start peeling back the layers.
0: Well, let's start with your story. Uh, How did you get where you are today, right? What does that success journey look like for you?
1: Well, my story is kind of interesting because it's very nonlinear. I grew up here in Minneapolis. Um, I grew up in a really musical family and music was always a real passion of mine from when I was a little kid. In fact, my parents got me uh, piano lessons When I was five years old and I played classical piano until I was about 12 and I even one year participated in a state competition and won in my age group along with I think maybe a dozen or other kids my age and we had this opportunity to play at Northrop Auditorium with like 10 grand pianos on stage. We got to play duets and that was such a formative experience for me. I learned that I loved music and I loved performing. And so after that, I picked up a guitar. I felt like that was my calling. And when I was 18, I actually moved to Nashville, Tennessee to go to an undergrad school there that had a really strong music business program called Belmont University. Um, you know, it's Nashville, so it was kind of country oriented. In fact, Brad Paisley was an alum when I was there. And it's, it's churned out a lot of great musicians over the years. But I actually switched majors to music business with a product development emphasis, about halfway through. And that turned out to be a pretty pivotal decision for me. And it set up um, a lot of my path after that. And I'm really glad that I did. So after, after trying the music thing out for a while, um, I, I moved back to Minneapolis, trying to figure out, okay, well, what's the next step? Do I want to keep playing music in, in a different city? Or do I want to switch gears? And I really switched gears, I ended up enrolling in law school in the first year back, went to St. Thomas um, downtown, ended up graduating right in the middle of the recession. Um, Not a great time to be a new lawyer, but I ended up getting a job right out of school um, at the attorney general's office for the state when Lori Swanson was still the attorney general. And that was a really, really awesome experience. I mean, it was very trial by fire. We had to manage all of our own cases. I was working for the state's biggest executive branch agency, the Department of Human Services. And that's that really started um, to put my skills to the test. But after about four or five years of legal practice, I I sort of reached back into another interest of mine, which was business ownership. I'd always wanted to start my own business. I always thought that was the coolest thing I could possibly do. And I started thinking about what do I have to offer the world in a, in a new business? And even prior to going to law school, I was really interested in craft beer. I was kind of a homebrew geek. Uh, I brewed for like 10 years at home, obsessing about recipes and water chemistry and learning all the science I could. And 2014 was a great year to open a craft brewery in Minneapolis. There, It was sort of like the second wave of craft beer. So I we opened the brewery. Uh, we've been around for 10 years. And that kind of brings you up to speed with where I am now.
0: I love this this question is my favorite question, even though it's kind of an open-ended one of this whole thing, because so many people that know you and just kind of know what you do now, or they see you at the brewery, or even they see you working with us, not knowing that you've got this like business back or this music background and law school background, I that idea of we don't have to have a straight line and have it be linear in our careers. And I think so many, you and I are both raising teenagers, right? And that pressure mm-hmm. as they get to like, college age and and they've got to pick a career that's going to be the career, you know, and it's this like their destiny. And if they don't pick it right, they're, they're doomed. But that's not the case with most successful people. They haven't necessarily always stayed. I mean, I'm an IT person. I got an IT degree and I do nothing with IT. And in fact, I should be nowhere near anything related to IT at this point. And I, I didn't know that. Yeah, right. So it's just that it's seeing it through my kids' eyes now, and seeing that like this is such a big decision, it is. But it's but it's also making sure I teach them to follow what feels right to them. And so I'm curious for you, just as you as you switched from music to music business to law school, like were you listening to your gut? Was there a guidance or a mentor or somebody that was helping you? Or like what what helped you make those really big decisions?
1: Well, I've I've always been someone. I think who has sort of followed his gut and, and the form of finding things that I'm passionate about and just going all in, um, really committing myself to the to the goal. And for, for example, you know, I with music, I, I could have stuck around the Twin Cities and just maybe been a casual musician or even gone to a music school around here. But I decided to really take the plunge, go to a major music market and, and try my hand at it down there. And um, it was a humbling experience, to say the least. Uh, But it was a great experience. It was a formative experience. Um, And then, you know, I I realized after undergrad, and I I don't mean this as a brag, but I didn't think that undergrad was super challenging. And I wanted an exciting, challenging academic experience. And so law school seemed like the right move for me. Um, And it was super challenging. It was was great. Um, I mean, I'm one of those masochists who actually enjoyed law school. Uh, I really enjoyed just soaking up all the knowledge and learning all these new ways to think about issues and figuring out how you know the legal process works, how the court systems work, how the government's organized beyond you know what you would learn in a civics class and then that that same thing, that same passion drove me to start the brewery. And then once I got you know sort of a foothold there as a leader in the brewery, I wanted to level up again and so I started looking at consulting opportunities and after joining Coalition nine, we got connected. Um, and so I feel like my passion has just led me down this other new exciting path with Keystone. So I guess this is the long way of answering like, yeah, I do tend to listen to my gut quite a bit. But there have been mentors along the way that I've also um, looked up to that have helped me. Um, I can think back when I was just considering law school, there were a number of attorneys that, you know, were family friends who were kind and generous with their time to give me the rundown of here's what you can expect. Here's what you can do with the degree. Um, and same thing with business ownership. You know, I, I talked to a lot of other brewery owners when we were planning our brewery and they were also very generous with their time and giving, giving me and my partners a pretty transparent view of what this would look like should we decide to pull the trigger.
0: Yeah. I love that. So with your, you know, diverse background and just exposure to a lot of different industries, I will say is. Is there a leadership moment that you can think of or moments that really shaped or formed the leader you are today and how you lead in your own business, how you lead really other executive teams, right? As a consultant, is there some, are those, those moments that you remember where you're like, that's what it means, or that's what it looks like?
1: Yeah. There's one that I can think of. Um, This is when I was at the attorney general's office, you know, I'm a brand new lawyer just trying to figure out the lay of the land. And like I said, it was very trial by fire. We had to run all of our own cases. I say had now, I said, we got to last time. <laughs> um, it was kind of a double-edged sword. Um, but my division manager there, this guy named Jacob Kraus, who had come from the private firm world and took a job as, as an assistant attorney general, exhibited a lot of the qualities that you and I would now describe as conscious leadership. I didn't know what that was back then, But having reflected on it now, um, I'm noticing that he exhibited all of these qualities that we find very desirable in a leader. Um, Things like being very self-aware, being a holistic thinker, um, considering the human element in, in leadership, being of service to others, being transparent, having high EQ. And then, you know, just because of the nature of the office, having that commitment to a higher purpose and serving the people of Minnesota through, through the agency. So I picked up on a lot of these things that I started to put together over the years, as I reflected back on it, thinking, wow, Jacob was a really great example of the kind of leader that I want to be.
0: How do you see that play out? And like, if you were to describe the leader you are today, right? How do you, how, how would your team describe you as a leader? What are your superpowers?
1: I think that they would describe me as a cheerleader um, who encourages and empowers my teams to explore the boundaries of what they think they're capable of in order to achieve their own personal greatness and and push the ball forward with the business. And so I think my superpower is helping other people believe in themselves while, while building trust and having an authentic relationship with them.
0: I love that concept of find the boundaries, right? Or go push to the boundaries because I think a lot of people, it feels very risky. Um, and th- But throughout your entire story, I hear risk taker, right? There, A lot of the changes you took, there was a risk. There was an inherent risk in, in completely shifting careers, right? Or, or shifting what you're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you make sure you're continuously pushing the boundaries of your your own, right? What's the, What's that personal development look like for you?
1: So for me it's it's kind of that that same thing aimed at myself like pushing boundaries. I call it the edge. I I've come to realize that when I'm feeling fear about something that's that's my being telling me, "Hey, here's an edge that you're encountering. Let's lean over it a little bit and see how we can stretch ourselves and learn from this and grow." If if I was just feeling comfortable all the time, that would be a good indication that I'm not growing. Um, you know, everyone desires comfort. That's that's a nice thing to experience. But if you, I think if you're stuck there all the time, you're probably not growing. And as a leader, I want to continually level up to really see what I'm capable of. And so leaning out over that edge is something that I've come to rely on as a, as a pretty good indicator of where there are opportunities for growth.
0: Okay. I love this concept and I might steal it from you because I feel a blog post um, coming on on this leaning out over the edge because Matt, this is what we're seeing right now in a lot of leaders and, and you're seeing it too, right? In the work you do with us in a lot of leaders, a lot of executive teams and companies is that we've been in this, what I would say, kind of execution thinking right? For the last three years, which is a bit survival, like just get stuff done and just get the next thing done. And what do we need to do to make it through today or this week or this month or this quarter? Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like a lot of organizations or leaders are really leaning into that edge and saying, but but how can we play differently? Where do we want to play that maybe is different than we've played in the past? And how do we win in that new place? Are you seeing that as well, right, in companies and leaders? Are you seeing it even in your own, you know, leaders in your company? And, and how do you get other people that maybe aren't as comfortable with the edge, right, comfortable with it? Like, what guidance would you give a leader right now that's like, yeah, I'm on autopilot or our organization's on autopilot right now?
1: Yeah, I well, kind of going back to the first part of that thought, I mean, I think COVID did a number on a, a lot of us. Um, and uh, it really was a strategy of um, survival, and and we even had a motto at Bauhaus that survival equals success, but things are changing now, and it's kind of time for us to wake up and push ourselves again, especially because things are changing so rapidly nowadays. It's really required to, um, to be able to continue surviving, so the way that I you know, challenge others to try to lean into their edges. Like I said, I'm kind of a cheerleader and I like to encourage people to try to look at issues from multiple angles. And that's that's something I learned in law school was just that solving issues doesn't have to be binary. In fact, it's probably very beneficial to not take a binary approach because it expands all these potential opportunities or you know mindsets, or, or however you want to say it, that you wouldn't think about it if you if you were just looking at it from a binary perspective. Right. So that I guess that speaks to maybe taking a holistic approach to solving issues. Uh, I think that's really important these days.
0: And I think I, we call it maybe growth mindset, right? Not believing that that what you're capable of or what the organization is capable of is fixed. Right, That you're not just based on who you have or the resources you have today, it's that growth mindset to say, and I think a lot of companies going through COVID learned a lot about themselves in terms of their growth mindset. But what we're seeing is they went, they kind of learned it and they saw where their gaps were and where their opportunities that their team really like stepped up and they could do amazing things. And then once things kind of went, not normal, but right, it's kind of the chaos started to calm down. We went right back to muscle memory of where we were comfortable. And I think that is now what we're seeing is that there is this rapid pace of change that you talk about. And we're all just kind of sitting in this comfortable space saying, can it just get comfortable again? Like, I'd just love to be in this safe, comfortable space. And it's not going to be like that, right? It's going to be resiliency and adaptability. How are you helping the leaders on your team? with that, like how to be resilient and adaptable and knowing just because we won today, means something could happen next week, right? And, And we could have to do something completely different. And that's really exhausting for leaders right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, our industry is changing so much, like so many industries. But I mean, nationally, craft beer and hard seltzer, our two primary alcoholic beverages have been on the decline. And our people are very aware of that. And my role is to encourage them to explore what else is possible for our business to create that speaks to what the market wants um, now, or perhaps in the very near future. And it's, it's a constantly moving target. And I try to remind everybody like, hey, we may try something and it may not work. And that doesn't mean it's a failure. That just means it's an opportunity to learn and to pivot in a different direction. And this kind of reminds me actually of a leader that inspired me. Um, I don't know how familiar you are are with uh, F1 racing. I got into it a couple of years ago and I think it's super exciting and awesome. Uh, But there's a team in F1 called Williams Racing and Claire Williams, who's, um, I believe, the granddaughter of the founder, was the team principal for a while. She's not anymore now. She's more of a brand ambassador role. But I remember reading an article with her where she said, you know, as a leader, all you can do is have faith in your people, that they've identified problems correctly and that there's a plan to rectify them. And it's my job to give them everything they need in order to do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that really stuck with me um, over the last couple of years as I've navigated leadership in our organization, that I do have faith in our people, that they see the issues. They know what we, what we need to try, what we need to do. I mean, I'm creating a vision for them but they're the boots on the ground. They're the ones who are looking at the micro, um, the micro scale of this and and how to develop products that speak to the market um in, in a way that's that's effective for our business, that's aligned with our, our brand values, um, what we want to offer the world. And it's my job to facilitate giving them what they need in order to execute.
0: And sometimes what they need is maybe a decision or guidance technically, but sometimes it just might be. Faith in them, right? That you know everything, the, right the right next decision, whatever that is, it doesn't have to be the decision forever, right? It's just the right next step.
1: Yeah. And that's, you know, this is something that I learned the hard way over the years. And I think it's a it's a holdover from law school, is that leaders don't need to know everything or be perceived as all knowing. In fact, I think that may even create an unhealthy dependency on the leader. Uh, I, I think that being vulnerable establishes trust and it empowers others to step up and contribute and to think critically about solving problems.
0: We talk about I have a mantra that leaders don't need to know the answer they need to know the right question. And yes. right to get people thinking in the right way or to get them unstuck, right? Because I'm stuck and I'm dealing with this issue and if you ask me a question that makes me look at it differently or think about it differently, I shift my mindset, right? I shift my perspective. Um, and, and so leaders need to get really good at asking different questions than we asked in the past.
1: That's a great way to put it. Yes.
0: So as a leader yourself, right? I I know you're a learner because I've, I've experienced it is what are you having success with in your own growth? How do you ensure you're on top of your game and that, you know, what are those things that you do personally to kind of make sure you're growing and kind of shifting your perspective?
1: Yeah, um I mean I'm I'm a, I'm a knowledge sponge. I love ne- learning new things. I read a lot. <laughs> I I love being inspired by books that I'm reading and seeing things in a new light and you know there doesn't it seems so interesting that no matter no matter what source you're looking at there are kernels of wisdom that you can take with you and apply to your own experience. Um at least in, in a lot of the sources that I encounter, there are things that are seemingly unrelated that all of a sudden I'm able to put in a different context and, and roll with. So I, I would say that reading and being inspired that way is something uh, connecting with other leaders and business owners, like, for instance, in Coalition 9 or at culture cohorts um, with Keystone and just having touches with Keystone clients like those things are really really valuable to me to push myself and seeing how other organizations are solving issues might inspire me to solve solve issues in a different way or take a new approach. I also, I I try to be pretty, pretty disciplined about self-care and taking time for myself to recharge. That's something I didn't do for a long time, uh, both as a lawyer and as a newer business owner. And it's something that has become really valuable to me in the last few years. Uh, and I even have an acronym that I, I created that I remind myself of often. And it's like when I'm feeling really stressed or I've got worry or insecurity on my mind, I have this acronym PAR, P-A-R-R. And it stands for pause, accept and acknowledge, relax and release. And that's kind of a mantra of mine when I'm going through something challenging. Is like, okay, pause, take a minute, get it in perspective, accept that it's happening and then just relax into the moment and release it and then just persevere. Keep going forward.
0: Right. Which totally, I mean, it's a mindset thing, right? And how you show up and what that reactionary, because initial, the initial emotion that you feel is what most of us, myself included a lot, is what comes back out. And that's not necessarily the emotion, right? That you want displayed and to be the reaction to it. So I love that idea of, of kind of taking that pause. Um, I also love that this idea, as you were describing your own growth and how you ensure you're continuously growing, is that idea of, of conscious leadership is putting yourself in rooms and in conversations or getting curious about things that are different than maybe what you grew up with or what you've believed until this point. And softening the edges of your judgments and your beliefs, I think, is where our greatest learning comes from. You and I don't have to, and, and we I think we're experiencing this in society right now, this polarization, that you're, you're either with me or against me. There's only two options. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really hard for people because you and I can have a lot of different beliefs and highly respect each other. And I can hear your perspective. And it doesn't mean I have to change everything I believe. But it sure as heck can help me challenge the beliefs that I hold. And I think that's where we're getting stuck as a society and as leaders right now is we're scared of that challenge, that challenge to our beliefs, because we think it means we have to give up everything we've believed and everything we've known to this point. And, and that's not what it is, right? Learning helps you just see it from a different perspective. So I just that's what I heard when you talked about how you're finding success and your own growth. And I think that's just a really important message for leaders to hear.
1: Yeah, I think that's so interesting. That's a great observation. I totally agree, by the way. And I I was just thinking, it's kind of interesting that in business leadership, we talk about how it can be a detriment to be siloed, you know, departments to be siloed and, and not having great communication or trust or vulnerability. We're aware of that in the business sphere, but in society at large, it feels like when there are differences of opinion, we become more siloed there. There's a blind spot there. And I I think it's really discouraging um, that that's happening because right. You don't need to adopt the beliefs of someone else that that you may not agree with, but that doesn't mean that there's not something you could learn by, you know, And I love that word that you said, like or the phrase you said, softening the edges of your own beliefs to really hear someone else and perhaps take something valuable from a conversation or a connection and, you know, leverage it in your own way in your own experience. Right. To me, that's growth. That's what true growth actually. Yeah. Is. So,
0: okay, Matt. So just, we've talked about a lot of things today, right? And there's leaders listening. They're like, Oh, I got a lot of work to do. Or it just, it feels daunting sometimes, right. To be a leader today. If you were to just tell them like one thing you're sitting across from a leader and you're saying, Just start doing this or think about this, or what's one thing you would tell them to start or stop doing?
1: Well, and I'm going to speak to myself as much as your listeners here. It has to do with how we manage fear. Uh, This has been a big hurdle in my life, and I suspect in many other people's lives. Um, But fear can be pretty paralyzing, and it can change how you show up and, and react or respond to a particular event in your life. And so i i think that when fear enters our experience taking that that pause and accepting for a moment that you're not your thoughts that the thoughts that are swirling around in your head are the product of a thinking mind taking stock of all of your past experiences and projecting into that moment and into the future what might or might not happen and you can work yourself up into a real frenzy and really lose lose sight of of the goal if you can just accept that you're the observer of your thinking and take that pause and really just relax into your being you can see it from a much different perspective you can whatever whatever is triggering the fear um i mean there's a lot of reasons to be worried right now you know we're perhaps on the brink of recession there politically there's some Uh, In my opinion, some pretty scary stuff happening. There's a lot of change in business. And so I have to remind myself constantly that the fear is just the product of my thinking. And if I'm experiencing really challenging emotions, that's telling me that the quality of my thinking needs to improve or that I just need to let it alone. Yeah. Um, so that's maybe a little bit more of a physical, philosophical answer to your, no, to your uh, that question. Was a, but, that
0: was a good uh, coaching moment back to me as well. So sometimes when you say things, right, you're coaching yourself and you're, because I, I do think all of us need to challenge who and what we're listening to, because that mm-hmm. fear is being stirred up unconsciously by social media. And by things. I mean, I'm even catching myself the last week, I can't tell you how many times I've been on social and I have to be on social as a CEO. I don't love it. I'll be honest. Like I really, really don't. And I would Mm. not be on it at all if I was not leading a business and building a brand. But I've been catching myself, like my stomach hurts after I've been looking at social for a while, or I'm starting to feel like, oh God, I'm not doing enough or I'm not. And I have to like physically put my phone down and be like, what are you doing? Like, this is not you, right? It's some, this, this outside influence is actually making you feel a way you don't want to feel and you have full control over that. So I think it's exactly what you're saying. And it happens to everyone. It doesn't matter how successful you are, right? We all get caught up in it, but I think your message of catching it and being aware of it and acknowledging it is, is pretty much the whole battle. If you can get good at that, you can't, you're never going to live without fear. Fear's never going to never come. Like you aren't, you aren't failing because you have fearful thoughts. It's really how you acknowledge and handle it when they come in. So that's a great message for everyone to hear. So I want to dive in. Okay. So thank you for all of that wisdom. Now I want to dive into, I've got three kind of bonus round questions for you. These are a little more rapid fire um, that just kind of help us get to know you a little bit better. So you game for, for doing this.
1: I am. Let's do it. I don't
0: actually have a choice, but I just wanted to ask. (laughs) So, so the first one is um, if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would you want on that billboard and why?
1: I just, the first thing that came to mind, uh, let's make it fun. (laughs) I would have a billboard that says let's make it fun and maybe have something totally disconnected from that, that, that seems like a challenge to the ordinary person. um, Because I, I'm learning more and more that we have, you know, kind of, we have choices to make every day when we encounter challenges. And if you can find a way to make it fun, you can navigate anything. I really, I'm trying to find more joy in my own life in just ordinary experiences. Um, so being able to put that on a billboard and transmit that to anyone who wants to see it, um, I think would be pretty cool.
0: I love it. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, dead or alive, who would you want to have coffee with and why?
1: Oh boy, that's a good one. Um,
0: I mean, besides me.
1: Yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Understood. (laughs) You know what? I've always, I've answered these kinds of questions similarly in the past. I think it would be John Lennon. Um I've always, you know, like I'm a musician, the the Beatles were a major influence on me when I was younger. My dad has always been a Beatles nut, so I got I was raised on the Beatles and even took a course in college called History of the Beatles. It was super insightful and I just seeing how John Lennon's life transformed over the span of his career, um unfortunately cut well short of, you know, what he could have done. I mean, I would love to see what he would have been doing contemporary in contemporary music these days. But I would just love to pick his brain on his experiences and and learn about his worldview, because I'm, I've always been intrigued by how he perceived the world. I think it would be an incredibly interesting conversation.
0: I would want to be part of that. I agree with you. I just his mindset and how he his perspective, right, and how he looked at things would have been awesome. Uh, the last question, what's the biggest thing you've learned about yourself in the last year?
1: In the last year, so I'll, I'll I'll get even a little more vulnerable than I've been. Um, we've talked about this, you know. I've I've been through a divorce. I'm living as a as a single dad now, and I think the lesson that I learned is that I'm a lot more resilient than I thought I could be. I'm enjoying life again. I'm loving it, in fact, and I'm finding joy in everyday moments and realizing that I had a lot more strength than I thought I did it's it's been very empowering and instead of looking in the future with fear or tre- <clears throat> trepidation i'm looking to it uh, looking at it with a sense of god there's so much opportunity out there i can't wait to see what's next
0: i love what a perfect way to end this conversation i loved having this conversation because you and i have had some of these but we haven't gotten to this level of depth and you are such an inspiration to me, just even in that resiliency. And it's just such a good reminder that people you surround yourself with really are going to influence who you become. And I love having you as part of our team and helping our clients. And I just, I love the perspective and the mindset that you bring to our team and to me. So Thank you for taking the time to do this and to be on here and to share your wisdom with all of our listeners.
1: Well, thank you, Jamie, for having me. And and just being a part of, of Keystone and surrounded by you and your partners, I mean, that's been a major um, influence on me too. And it's helped shape how I'm approaching leveling up as a leader and it's, it's proving invaluable. So thank you.
0: I appreciate that. And to the listeners, you know, this podcast is about Humans and their journeys and leadership, but it's really about each of you. Because every single person I have interviewed over six and a half years, there is something I see of myself in them. And there's also parts of me that I'm like, I want to improve to be more like them. And so it's not a comparison thing, it's an inspiration thing. And, and to the listeners, I hope these guests and the, the conversations we're having continue to help you see that there is more, right? There is something better and there's an optimism, um, but that's not, you know, fluffy and unicorns and rainbows. It's real and you've got to do the work, but there are so many great leaders like Matt doing amazing things out there that are more than willing to help, right? And share their wisdom and share their vulnerable stories and lessons, Um, so just make sure you're, you're putting yourself in those places beyond just this podcast, where are those places where you can get exposed to those types of leaders? Cause that's how you're going to become better. So I'm so grateful for this community. I'm grateful to be able to continue to do this podcast and have awesome conversations with people like Matt. And until next time, just make sure you're focusing on your own growth and you're getting curious. Thanks everyone. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and hit that subscribe button so you get the latest episodes as soon as we release them. And remember to keep maximizing your unique leadership superpowers. It truly is the key to building success, both in your career and in life.